ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Chapter Seven, Text Seven. Translation and commentary by His Divine Grace Shri A. C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, Founder Acharya Avestam. Matap Pratirangna Nyat Kinchedasti Dhananjaya Mai Sarva Midam Prothang Sutre Namigana Iva. Translation. O conqueror of wealth, there is no truth superior to me. Everything rests upon me as pearls are strung on a thread. Report. There is a common controversy over whether the Supreme Absolute Truth is personal or impersonal. As far as Bhagavad Gita is concerned, The absolute truth is the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, and this is confirmed in every step. In this verse in particular, it is stressed that the absolute truth is a person. That the personality of Godhead is the supreme absolute truth is also the affirmation of the Brahma Sanghita. Ishvara Parama Krishna Satchit Ananda Vikrahaha That is, the supreme absolute truth Personality of Godhead is Lord Krishna, who is the primeval Lord, the reservoir of all pleasure, Govinda, and the eternal form of complete bliss and knowledge. These authorities leave no doubt that the Absolute Truth is the Supreme Person, the cause of all causes. The impersonalist, however, argues on the strength of the Vedic version given in the Shrutashvatara Upanishad. In the material world, Brahma, the primeval living entity within the universe, is understood to be the supreme among the demigods, human beings, and lower animals. But, young Brahma, there is the transcendence, who has no material form and is free from all material contaminations. Anyone who can know him also becomes transcendental, but those who do not know him suffer the miseries of the material world. The impersonalist puts more stress on the word arupam, but that arupam is not impersonal. It indicates the transcendental form of eternity, bliss, and knowledge as described in the Brahma Sanghita quoted above. Other verses in the Shvetashvatara Upanishad substantiate this as follows. Vedahametam Purushang Mahantam Adityavanam Tamasah Purastat Paniravidvanati Nityameti Nanya Hanta Vidyate Yamaya Yasmat Parang Naparamasti Kinchit Yasmananiyo Nodjayosti Kinchit Viksha Ivastabdho Divitishtatyekas Tenedam Purnam Purushena Saravam I know that Supreme Personality of Godhead who is transcendental to all material conceptions of darkness. Only he who knows him can transcend the bonds of birth and death 
There is no way for liberation other than this knowledge of that Supreme Person. There is no truth superior to that Supreme Person because he is the supermost. He is smaller than the smallest and he is greater than the greatest. He is situated as a silent tree and he illumines the transcendental sky and as a tree spreads its roots, he spreads his extensive energies. From these verses one concludes that the Supreme Absolute Truth is the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is all-pervading by his multi-energies both material and spiritual. This verse, among many others in Bhagavad Gita, establishes that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is not only stated in the Bhagavad Gita, but it is the conclusion of all the Vedic scriptures of which the Gita is the summation. So naturally it would be expected to be stated in Gita. In Gita is stated very clearly that Krishna is the Supreme in various ways. Aham Everything comes from Krishna. Brahmano Everything rests in Krishna. This is very clear from Gita. However, there are some people who misinterpret this, malinterpret this, or simply ignore it. They don't want to accept that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Even in India, where the Gita is very popular, at least superficially, very few people like to accept that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead because if we accept that, then the next step is that we're supposed to surrender to Krishna. And we don't want to surrender to Krishna because that's why we're here in the material world. We're all rascals. So we find pious people who like the Bhagavad Gita. That means that they're somewhat better prisoners or somewhat better criminals, but they have some taste for chanting the verses of Gita, or at least they give lip service to Gita. However, unless we come to the conclusion of Gita to surrender to Krishna, then our reading of Bhagavad Gita, as Prabhupada stated, unless we come to the conclusion that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and surrender to him, then our reading of Gita is useless. In English there's a saying, a miss is as good as a mile. That means that, just like if you're shooting an arrow at a target, if you miss, you miss. If you miss by one centimeter, you miss. If you miss by ten meters, you also miss. The result is zero. Of course, in Gita we have another instruction. Neha that even a little dharmic activity will help us. The result of it is never lost. That will save us from the greatest fear. But that has to be understood clearly. What is dharma? Krishna comes to teach dharma. 
Dharma-samsthāpanātāya sambhavāṁ yuge yuge. Krishna comes to establish dharma. And at the end of Gita, having said that I will come to establish dharma, Krishna says, sarva-dhāmaṁ paritkarja. Give up all these dharmas. For the sake of rāmekam sharanam raja, taking shelter of me only. So that actually is dharma. Everything else, apart from this, may be called upadharma, or almost dharma, or something like dharma. But actual dharma means to surrender to Krishna, because that is our constitutional position. I think you've all heard this term. This is one of the terms that Srila Prabhupada coined to explain this Vedic philosophy in the English language. Our constitutional position. Jivesvarupai Krishna Niptadas. Krishna Tatashta Shakti Bhidabed Prakash. This word Swarup, Srila Prabhupada coined the term constitutional position to define this term, that the constitutional position of every living being is to serve Krishna, to be the servant of Krishna. The constitutional position of every living being is to serve Krishna, except one. Which living being? Who can say? There's one living being whose constitutional position is not to serve Krishna. Who can say who that one is? Who said? Say it loudly. Krishna, yes. Everyone except Krishna. His constitutional position is to accept the service of others. He's also a jiva in one sense. Now, I'm not speaking Mayavad philosophy here, because that's one of the names of Krishna you'll find in the Vishnu Sahasra now, which means that he's living. He's a living being, but he is the supreme living being. Nitya nityanam chaitanas chaitananam eko yoga there's one living being among the many, 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 many unlimited living beings who is different. He is the receptacle or the receiver of service and everyone else is meant to serve him. Of course, serving Krishna is so nice that even Krishna likes to know what it is like to serve himself. Therefore, he takes the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or even all the other Narayan forms, they're also considered servants of Krishna, as is clear from the exchange between Krishna and Mahavishnu, as described at the end of the 10th canto of Bhagavatam, when, of course, Krishna offered his obeisances to Mahavishnu when he went with Arjuna to visit him. But it's clear from the exchange there that Mahavishnu wanted to have the darshan of Krishna. So this is Krishna Lila, so it may be a little, sometimes it's a little difficult to understand how Krishna is bowing down to many, to Yudhishthya Maharaj, he'll bow down to Vitarashtra, because they're, to Nanda Maharaj, because they are apparently superiors. But as Analyzed by the Acharyas, if we analyze all the Shastras, we'll see that even the inhabitants of Vrindavan, like Nanda Maharaj, who are superficially superior to Krishna, they're all 
in the mode of serving Krishna. They also want to serve Krishna. That's why they get the position to be the father and mother of Krishna, so that they can serve Krishna. So this is the conclusion of all these scriptures, that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. This should be preached very widely. But if at all, especially here in India, where at least people have some idea of Krishna consciousness, more by their culture, we have more idea of Krishna consciousness. Now, several times Srila Prabhupada said that everyone in India is Krishna conscious, even the Muslims. He said that several times. Then they asked him, why was Prabhupada preaching in India? Why he should have just stayed in the West? Why did he come and build big temples in India and preach widely in India? Yes, everyone's Krishna conscious. In one sense. In other words, there is some consciousness of Krishna. What does Krishna consciousness mean? Who can say? To be conscious of Krishna. Yes, that's correct. Krishna consciousness means to be conscious of Krishna. But real Krishna consciousness means to be conscious not only of Krishna, but conscious of my position in relationship to Krishna. That I am his eternal servant. Otherwise, there are many demons who are also Krishna conscious. Very Krishna conscious. They're always thinking of Krishna. Kanks, he was always thinking of Krishna. But he's not praised as a great devotee. He's known as a great demon. He was always thinking of Krishna because he was afraid Krishna will come and kill me. So he is also Krishna conscious. And in one sense you could say that he accepted Krishna as supreme because he knew that Krishna was going to kill me. But his attitude was not a loving attitude. So his Krishna consciousness was not favorable, it was unfavorable. So many people are Krishna conscious, but vaguely so. Vague consciousness of Krishna. That means at least everyone in India has heard something about Krishna. And if we say even the Muslims are Krishna conscious, it means even they've heard something about Krishna. They have some awareness of Krishna, even if it's not very focused or clear or loving or with a service attitude. Many are Krishna conscious, but even though they think they're devotees, their their so-called devotion is mixed up with many wrong ideas. This is typical of India. That because they're so close to Krishna, people are so close to Krishna, that to avoid him, they have to make an elaborate means, usually by espousing some Mayavad philosophy, that they'll do all the activities of worshipping Krishna. But at the end, they'll say, well, actually, we're all God. Krishna is just another God. Many wrong ideas. Indian philosophy very dangerous subject. We've heard so many wrong ideas about Krishna. How are you going to deal with Krishna? If we're not prepared to surrender to Krishna, then the only other alternative, 
for Indians especially, is to avoid Krishna or to try to rationalize Krishna's superior position by saying that, well, okay, he's superior, but actually he's only a manifestation of the impersonal Brahman. And I'm also a manifestation of the impersonal Brahman, but I didn't yet realize. When I realize, then I'll also become a man-god like Krishna. These are the kind of things. There are many rascal things they say, but they don't even recognize how rascal it is. They think they're praising Krishna. I was just reading one Shastri, well-known Shastri, from Maharashtra was writing that he was writing in praise of virtue everyone should be virtuous you see just like he was writing Ravana why was he overcome by Ram because Ravana was not virtuous and Ram was that's a good explanation what do you think Rama got his, in other words, he's saying that Rama got his power by following Dharma. And therefore he was able to overcome Ravana. Because Ravana was not virtuous. As if Ram is needing to take power from anywhere else. No. Ram is always supreme. He doesn't need to. It's not that because he practiced virtue that he became powerful. Again, we find along the same lines, we find other wrong ideas, so many wrong ideas. Some people say, yes, Ram was very virtuous. He was following Dharma very nicely. But Krishna, he wasn't. So we like Ram. We don't like Krishna. There is another very their so-called bhakti to Ram is mixed up with offensive ideas to Krishna. So how is it possible? It's not actually bhakti. Or there's another group of kumaris who say they have some relationship with Brahma. <laughs> Don't name them directly. So they used to put out some pictures. I don't know because it seems they they changed their philosophy, if you can call it philosophy, for want of a better word. They changed their ideas fairly rapidly. It's not, so they use it's a famous picture they put out of baby Krishna holding the world in his hand, saying that. God will come back again, this time in a more virtuous avatar. So it's supposed to be praising Krishna, but actually they're saying that Krishna came, but he wasn't so virtuous, so he has to take another birth, and then next time he'll be virtuous. All very wrong ideas. The so-called bhakti is mixed with ideas that want to rationalize or minimize Krishna's position. In other words, they have no clear understanding that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and everything he does is pure. Not only everything he does is pure, but simply by hearing about Krishna from devotees, 
we become purified. If we hear about Krishna dancing with the gopis who superficially were other people's wives, if we hear about this from devotees, we become purified, not contaminated. If we hear about Krishna inciting Arjun to kill Karna, when, he, when Karna was down from his chariot and begging for mercy, if we hear about this from devotees, we become purified. If we hear about it from non-devotees, who will try to rationalize it or directly blame Krishna, then by hearing the same subject matter, we don't become purified, we become contaminated. And that's what's going on. There are so many people who speak Krishna Leela or Ram Leela or write books with the idea that they are preaching dharma. But the result is that by association with such people, by hearing from such people, those who hear become contaminated. Their love for Krishna doesn't arise because they're trying to ascribe some fault to Krishna. Whereas great acharyas, whose personal character is certainly spotless, acharyas like Shankaracharya, he's also considered an acharya, although what he taught, his philosophy, his Mayavad philosophy is not at all auspicious. But the actual Shankaracharya who wrote Bhaja Govindam, worship Govinda, his inner feelings, that is to be accepted. So he accepted Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Madhvacharya accepted Krishna. Ramanuja, of course there may be some differences in their philosophy and outlook. Mostly they say that Krishna is an incarnation of Narayan, which in one sense is not incorrect, although in the, the most intrinsic sense it's to be understood that Krishna is the origin of Narayana. But anyway, we don't really have any argument with these different sampradayas. If they, if they want to preach that Krishna's incarnation of Narayana, it's, it's not such a big problem. Our argument is with the Mayavadis, atheists, demons, gross materialists, who are opposed to Krishna being the Supreme Personality of Godhead. They accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but they say that Narayana is Supreme. Not that Krishna is not Supreme, because they also accept that Krishna is Narayana. So our real argument is not with them. But the real discussion, the real uh, preaching, is to those who do not accept Krishna as supreme. Although in many ways it may seem as if they are devotees. Many times we see people are worshipping Krishna. We're going to have a questions and answers. And I'm going to answer one, you're going to answer one like that, isn't it? That would be more fun. So, you'd like to come and sit? I'm just going to finish. Huh? Questions. Often we see that people are worshipping Krishna and they appear to be very nice devotees, but if we talk with them, we'll find, if we go a little deep, we'll find they have many wrong ideas. Or even if we see their altar, they're worshipping Krishna, 
But they're also worshipping so many different demigods and so many bogus incarnations and their mother and father all on the same level. They don't have any clear idea. Very sad, very sad thing to see that mostly the traditional followers of Ramanuja Acharya in the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya, at least in South India, mostly they're all deviated now from the proper understanding that for so many generations their forefathers were worshipping the various forms of Narayana, such as Ranganatha Swami, Chirupati Balaji, and so many forms of the Lord who has appeared in the various Divya Deshans. So, for so many generations they're worshipping, and even now they may still be worshipping, but alongside they're worshipping some Baba, or some avatar, who's so-called avatar, who's supposed to come at the end of Kali Yuga, but instead popped out of an LIC office and decided he was an avatar. We're so foolish, materially intelligent. Generally these people, these Ayengas, Sri Vaishnava Brahmins, materially very intelligent, but spiritually foolish. Why is that? How is that? How does one become materially intelligent but spiritually foolish? One's, in, one's knowledge becomes covered when he becomes full of material desires. But Vishnu Chaturaitaka has given a synonym for Kritagyanaha as Nashta Buddhi, spoiled intelligence. We see so many intelligent people, mostly they're all going off to America to be software engineers. Very good intelligence. In America now, the Indian community is respected because so many waves of intelligent, bright, young men came and became software engineers, which requires some intelligence. But then if you see there either worshipping nobody, or they're worshipping some Baba, means their intelligence is spoiled. If they don't accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, it's more unfortunate, because their whole tradition and lineage is such. Over and above that, if they accept someone else as being an incarnation of Krishna, when he's clearly if anyone has any Shastric knowledge whatsoever, they can understand very clearly that someone who's the incarnation of ugliness cannot possibly be Krishna, who is the incarnation of all beauty, not incarnation, who is the embodiment of all beauty. Yang Shamasindaram Achincha Gunasarupam is transcendent, his Brackish and very beautiful, and his transcendental form is composed of unlimited, inconceivable qualities. 
It means their intelligence is spoiled. How has that come about? How is that possible that after so many generations of worshipping the Supreme Lord, even such people, what to speak of those who have been worshipping demigods for many generations, how is it that people are they're not accepting now, they don't have a clear understanding of Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead? How is that possible? Would anyone like to give any recommendations? Are you an Ayanga, Radheshan? He's an Aya. The Ayas are doing better than the Ayangas these days. More of them are joining Islam. Yeah, then, any suggestion as to how that's possible? I'll give my suggestion because there's no preaching within their sampradaya. It's just going on as a formality, whatever's going on. No one's preaching, or even if preaching is going on, it's going on in a very limp manner or insipid manner. Not strongly. Krishna speaks Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna. He speaks very clearly. He makes a clear distinction between the devotees and the demons. He says there are two kinds of people in this world, devotees and demons. And he gives an analysis, four different kinds of demons. The uh, Muha, ass-like personality. Naradhama, lowest among mankind. Maya Aparita Jnana, one who is apparently intelligent, maybe materially intelligent, but spiritually, in terms of spiritual understanding, is fool number one. And Asaram Bhavamashitaha means the out-and-out out demons, died-in-the-world demons. So Krishna makes a distinction. Krishna doesn't say that all paths are the same, everyone is nice, everyone is good, everything is wonderful, I'm okay, you're okay. He doesn't say any such thing. In modern Hindu society, they're thinking in the West that they've invented some wonderful philosophy. I'm okay, you're okay. But actually it was invented in India with the Jotomod, Totopat. All the paths are the same, everything is... It's all wonderful, whatever you do, it's all nice. New Age started in India. All the good things come from India and all the rubbish ideas also come. So these uh, ideas have been propagated in Hindu society that why should the, why should the different Hindu groups fight? Let them all come together appreciate everybody, everything is very nice. We see that even today, the Madhva sannyasis, they have debates with Shankarite scholars, and generally the Madhvas win, because after all, Shankara's philosophy doesn't make any sense. But it's going on practically as a formality. It's not that after Madhva scholars yet again defeat the Mayavadis, that the Mayavadis change, nor do they expect them to change. 
It's just a, an exercise in philosophical skills, practically. And the Madhva, also they're preaching like that, but it doesn't, their discussions, it doesn't affect the way of life of the people in general as it did at the time of Madhvacha. They're simply discussing and they'll appreciate each other's scholarship. That old feeling that was there previously, but in Madhva Sampadana, we have to defeat the Mayavadis, root it out. It's not very prominent, this idea that yes, everything's nice, everything's okay, that has affected even the preachers of Krishna consciousness. And in Ramanuja Sampradaya, they they don't, they don't, frankly, they don't have any people discussing even with the Mayavadis. It's simply they're propagating their cult, which is nice, but this mood of establishing strongly that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that demigod worship, worship of bogus avatars, Mayavad, it should all be destroyed. That mood is not there. So you'll find that even there are some good, nice Ramanujya sannyasis who are preaching Narayana is supreme, but they'll, they're more or less friends with even with Mayavadi sannyasis, they'll meet at different functions, exchange pleasantries. So unless this mood of very strongly, keeping very strongly alive the mood that we have to establish Krishna is supreme and anything in opposition to that, even obliquely in opposition, as I was saying previously, there are many people who pay lip service to Krishna being supreme, but then if you examine their so-called philosophy, you'll find that actually they don't accept Krishna as supreme at all. So, first thing to recognize what is Mayavada, that requires clear philosophical understanding. Otherwise, many people who appear to be devotees, they're actually Mayavadis. So it requires very clear philosophical understanding. And also, a, a devotee, he must have the feeling that why should others be contaminated by this Mayavada? Why should this be allowed to go on? It should be kicked out. Of course, that's, Mayavad is never going to be fully kicked out because as long as there are conditioned souls, and there always will be, there will always be Mayavadis. It's a, an intricate method of avoiding Krishna. But the devotee should feel that it is my duty to preach against this. We should not allow these people to propagate their wrong ideas. Of course, you can't stop them, but we should make opposition to them. We should preach very strongly that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and all the demigods are his servants and all these bogus avatars, they're simply bogus. They're not avatars at all. They are going to be avatars, it means they're going to fall down from this present situation. They're going to fall down from here to hell. 
So in that sense, they could be called an upcoming avatar. But they're all bogus, they're cheating. They should be exposed. That anyone except Krishna who claims to be supreme is simply cheating. And by following him, you may think you're very pious, but you're not. By following a demon, you also become a demon. Even if you say, well, it's very good, these avatars, they get people to become vegetarians, they get them to stop smoking. Practically, it's better to be a meat-eater and a smoker than a follower of these bogus avatars. At least you're not so directly offensive to Krishna. That's a worse offense. If one is neutral, if he doesn't have any interest in Krishna, that's not very good. But to be directly offensive to Krishna by claiming a jiva to be his equal, that is very offensive. We find there are even people who claim to be Vaishnavas, but then they say that, well, our some guru came some time ago and they say, well, he's an incarnation of Krishna. So in their so-called Vaishnavism is simply offensive. So to understand this, devotees, they should understand very clearly Bhagavad Gita as it is. Otherwise, the tendency to think that, yes, everything is nice, everything's okay, this is a very strong contamination. And unless this is preached within our own community, that means within the community of devotees, and outside also, then the tendency for contamination can come in very easily. Preaching must be there outside also, where Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Otherwise, if we're not clearly making the point to others, we are compromising with them. If we hear others say, as we will do in course of our preaching, if we hear people say all wrong things, and we don't counter that, then we are compromised with it. Of course, the best preaching, or the thrust of our preaching, as Srila Prabhupada so many times emphasized, is distributing his books. So in the course of distributing his books, sometimes we may listen to different varieties of nonsense just to get people to take the book. Just like someone may say, well, I accept my guru as God. And say, oh, very good. That's very nice. Take this book. No, we shouldn't say that's very nice, but we say we could say, Yes, yes. Your guru is a very great person. You can say like that. You don't have to say that how he's great. He's a very great demon. You can just say he's. A, you can just say he's a very great person. And give them a book. So we also have to see time, place, and circumstance in our preaching. But basically, we should be very strong, as all the acharyas have been. All our acharyas, those who have made a, a difference in the spiritual life of India, Madhva, Ramanuja, especially. 
And then following on, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is of course Krishna, acting as an Acharya. Bhakti Siddhant Saraswati, Srila Prabhupada, they all stood very strongly against all the wrong ideas, especially the Mayavad. Now you may say, well, why should we do that? You see, we can just take things very gently and easily and be nice to people and people will become devotees. But unless people understand this philosophy very clearly, that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and anything compromising this correct understanding of the Absolute Truth is not proper Krishna consciousness. Unless we preach that very strongly, then there's not a danger of contamination. It must happen, because it already is a contamination. Not to be firmly fixed in the understanding that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead is in itself a contamination. Compromise. So, we will simply invite more and more and more. Prabhupada said that I am the only person in India who is preaching that Krishna is the Supreme. Everyone else is compromised, Prabhupada said that. So Prabhupada said that my Guru Maharaj, he never compromised. I never compromised. My disciples should also never compromise. It may be a struggle, certainly will be a struggle, because the whole world doesn't want to hear this. Or they want to hear it with modification. Krishna, yes, yes, Krishna is supreme, but... And then after the but will come so many nonsense ideas to modify the statement that Krishna is supreme. Yes, Krishna is supreme, but I am also supreme. Krishna is supreme, but... He's only one of the gods, and there are so many other gods, and they're all supreme. Devotee means he accepts Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead with no buts. Yes. Sarva Yes, Arjuna said to Krishna. Everything you say is correct, I accept it fully. So that is a devotee. And as soon as any compromise comes with that, and everything is finished. He who is compromises is lost. So this we see, Prabhupada's purpose have made everything very, very clear. There's no vagueness in this. It's very clear that Krishna is supreme. This is not simply Prabhupada's idea or some dogmatism, but it is the conclusion of all the Shastras, it is the conclusion of all the Acharyas, therefore it is understood to be a fact. Hare Krishna. Is there any question? So we are doubly blessed today by the Cosmos Mercy of Shraddha Gopinaji. Let us very loudly also welcome His Holiness Jayadweta Swami Maharaj.
Jayadev Maharaj needs no introduction. All of you know him very well. He is most appreciated all around the world for his very straightforward and bold style of preaching. And wherever he goes, devotees are always hankering to hear from him. So we might have some question answers here. Any questions you have, you can raise your hand. Maharaj, would you like to speak sometimes? Do have question answers? Yeah, we'll have some questions and then Maharaj will give some answers. You'll have to come a little in front though. He doesn't have to come in front, he's got the loudest voice in the room. <laughs> Everyone heard that? There are four authorized sampradayas. How can we claim that we only accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Uh, I didn't say that actually. I said that, as Prabhupada had said, that I'm the only one who's preaching that. Now, Madhvas, they're also preaching, and Ramanujya, they're also preaching that, but within their group, they're not challenging. Mayavadis and demons. Madhvas are, but as I said, it's going on in a, in a formal manner. Not that they're not committed to that, but um, the whole idea of overthrowing Mayavad, spreading Krishna consciousness to new people, I mean, they ask us, how is it that you are spreading Krishna Bhakti? 